back. This is the second episode of the Physician Strengths Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Laura Grimmer, and I'm excited about today's episode because this is the first real episode of what I envision this podcast being. So episode number one, if you haven't had a chance to listen to it already, was really just an overview of what the strengths assessment is, kind of telling you about how it was developed, what it's used for, and really just trying to convince you that it's worth the 20 bucks to go take the test as well as trying to convince you that I make no money off you taking the test. And so you shouldn't feel like you're getting pressured into spending money because you're listening to this podcast. I also kind of went through some examples of how my strengths play out in my life. And hopefully that sparked your interest enough to go take the test. So moving forward with this podcast, what I'm hoping to do is interview physicians who are currently in training or in practice who have taken the strengths assessment and talk to them about their top five strengths. Again, I am not a certified coach. I am not doing this to build any business or to generate any income for myself. I'm really just doing this as someone who finds this assessment very helpful in my own life and as someone who wants to share the knowledge and experience of our of this group as a whole to kind of lift us all up. So if you are a physician listening to this podcast who has taken the strengths assessment, whether it's something you took in the distant past as a part of some leadership training program, or whether you just took it a minute after you listened to the first episode of this podcast, I am interested in talking to you. I am interested in interviewing you, learning about your strengths, learning about how they show up in your personal and your professional life. And I'm hoping to find a wide range of physicians to do these interviews so that we can get people from every specialty, people with all different types of strengths, people who are in training early in their career, late in their career, the whole gamut. I think that it would be really cool just to see so many different facets of this strengths assessment and how it's playing out in your life. So if you have taken this assessment, if you're interested in doing an interview, I promise that it's really fun to do. It's not scary or weird at all. You can be as anonymous as you like or as detailed about who you are and where you work. If you're interested in doing this, please get in touch with me. The easiest way to get in touch with me, I set up a Gmail account that's physicianstrengths at gmail.com. Or you can get in touch with me through the Facebook page that I have set up. If you go on Facebook and just search for Physician Strengths, hopefully you can find the page. It should be the only result as a page with that title. And I'll start a post within that page of here's where you can sign up and let me know if you're interested in being interviewed. All right, so let's get on with the fun part of the podcast. So we're going to start diving into our interview now. This interview is with Karen, who is a practicing emergency medicine physician right now. Um, She's been out of training a couple years, and it was great to talk with her because I think all five of her top strengths were in my bottom 10. So her and I are very, very different in terms of our strengths and how we approach being a physician and being a mom and all of that. So it was a great interview and I hope that you enjoy it as much as I did. So here we go. So I'd like to start off by thanking Karen so much for agreeing to do this interview. It is so nice to have someone who's so energetic and so articulate coming on to discuss their strengths. And I'm just so glad that you volunteered to do this. So tell me first about how you found out about the strengths assessment. So I was part of this group in college. 
um, which like focused a lot on like leadership development. And we, we mentored like young kids anywhere from like, like really young, like kindergartners all the way up to high school. Um, and the idea with that, with that like group I was part of was that often like kids who are mentored are, um, are the ones who are maybe pinpointed as kind of like struggling. And so the idea was though to flip it, like what would you do if you saw children who like so early showed great leadership traits, you know, whether it was like, you know, being very helpful in the classroom to, you know, kind of people that just like automatically did that. And then what would you do if you paired, paired them with somebody, you know, in college who was maybe a leader on campus, and then how could you use their strengths to help kind of propel them? Um, and so anyway, so we took the strength quest in college. So gosh, that, I mean, full disclosure, that was like 12 years ago for me, um, or 10 years ago. So definitely a lot has changed probably in mine. Well, maybe, um, but we used, we used those strengths you know, to kind of help look, like, learn about how we as leaders could, you know, kind of channel what we already naturally did. And it kind of just makes you more aware of kind of how you approach your, you know, work life, everyday problems, how you solve problems. Um, so that's kind of how I had heard about it. That seems like such a cool program. I love the idea of helping folks identify their strengths and then pairing them with a role model who can help them see the possibility of the strengths or what their strengths could grow into in the future if properly guided and motivated as such. I also find it super interesting that you found out about the strengths assessment through something entirely non-medical related. I've talked to a lot of physicians who took this assessment as part of an engineering internship as part of some leadership course that was not related to medicine at all. And I find that so funny because medicine is where we need this sort of thing so badly. And yet those of us in medicine who have heard about it, heard about it from someone outside of medicine or from some experience that we had outside of medicine, it just goes to show how big of a gap there is for using this strengths assessment within medicine. All right. So I'd like to switch gears a little bit and start talking about your top five strengths now. I want to just go over them quickly, make sure I've got the correct ones listed, and then we'll sort of go into depth about how you see these playing out in your life. So your top five are woo, communicator, positivity, achiever, and responsibility. And since we do have some listeners who are not familiar with these strengths at all, I'm going to go through real quickly and just give the official definition for each of these. So WOO, W-O-O, it actually is an abbreviation for win others over. And the definition of this one is people who are especially talented in the WOO theme love the challenge of meeting new people and winning them over. They derive satisfaction from breaking the ice and making conversation with another person. Next for you, you have communication. People who are especially talented in communication theme generally find it easy to put their thoughts into words. They're good conversationalists and presenters. And I love that you have good communication and you're doing this interview. I feel like that sh should be a requirement of all of my physicians going forward doing interviews is that they have communication high, which would also be terribly ironic because it's very low for me. But it does make it so that you're an excellent person to interview. All right. Next, you have positivity. 
The definition of positivity is people who are especially talented in the positivity theme have an enthusiasm that is contagious. They are upbeat and can get others excited about what they are going to do. Next, we have Achiever. I actually do have this one in common with you. This one is in my top five as well. People who are especially talented in the Achiever theme have a great deal of stamina and work hard. They take great satisfaction from being busy and productive. And the last one in your top five is Responsibility. People who are especially talented in the responsibility theme take psychological ownership of what they say they will do. They are committed to stable values such as honesty and loyalty. Yes, and I cannot remember like what was highest. I mean, I just know that we got them like one to five, but I do not remember what order they went in for me. Oh, that's okay. So tell me what it was like when you first heard these top five strengths. Did it click with you right away or were you surprised at all? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and it was funny. Yeah, I definitely. Um, and I think, you know, it's hard, you know, you, you look at them and, you know, there's pro- not pros and cons, but um, it's a, it's a really in- thorough, I think, test, like more so than like the Myers-Briggs. Um, so I think it does a really good job of dialing down people's strengths. And sometimes your strengths are, you kind of, the way that they're presented to you, it's like, well, do you really see yourself like that or not? Um, I think, you know, people often give you feedback. So I think like I, you know, in high school and I, you know, and in college I played soccer and, you know, I was kind of always known to be like really positive. And so sure, sure. You swallow that and you're like, okay, I already know that. The woo one was interesting to me because at first I didn't really know what I thought of it, um, you know, because it's, it's about, it's, you know, it stands for winning others over and it's, you know, the way they present it in the feedback to you is that you walk into a room full of strangers and you kind of want to get to know everybody. And so I kind of thought, well, is that, you know, somebody, is that someone fake? Like, does somebody fake do that? Um, but then now I'm, you know, I'm an ER physician and I'm like, this is probably why I chose this because every single person who comes into my emergency department, I mean, I have to get their trust quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it kind of I'm like, this is probably why I gravitated towards this field is because I'm presented with a whole lot of strangers in my shift. They're not patients I've often seen, you know, before, hopefully not, not hopefully I don't have continuity of care with them. Um, but, you know, there are people that you have to get their trust very quickly. You don't have a lot of time to do it in. Um, and you're kind of balancing all these patients at once. So I think initially, when, you know, the younger me kind of thought, oh, like, I don't know if that's a good strength to have, but it's a strength nonetheless. And now that I'm older, I can definitely see how that plays into my career choice and maybe why that keeps me satisfied when I'm working is because I maybe chose a specialty that kind of um, brings one of my strengths out every time I'm on shift. And that's why it's challenging, too. <laughs> That's so cool to hear you talk about it that way, because for me, woo is literally number 34. It is my lowest strength. So the idea that it energizes you and it excites you to be in this situation where you're constantly having to meet new people, to quickly establish rapport, to gain trust with new people quickly is is so cool that that fits your strengths and your career together so nicely. And that's actually totally what I envisioned when I first heard of the woo strength with someone in like an ER or an urgent care where you just have to like bounce between all these new people and quickly 
Right. And yeah. I and I don't know. I mean, I don't know if there would be a trend among specialties. There might be, um, or there might not be. <laughs> I don't I don't know. But it's interesting to think about. Oh, yeah, that would be so interesting to look into. You know, they say that the strengths really define how you do something, not what you do. So hypothetically, it could be any specialty with any variety of strengths. But there's got to be some that go along more frequently with certain specialties. Um, the other one that I thought about when I heard about ER physicians was adaptability, which is the strength to just like be in the middle of this crazy storm and you're just like responding to everything and you're making right. things happen. And I feel like when we got ours, like you get them, I think that was like six for me was the adaptability. I think that was like, I because re- I was like, was it achiever or adaptability? And I think I, I remember, because I was having to do it from memory and I remembered the other five, but I was like, it's either adaptability or achiever. I was like, I think it was the achiever, but I was, I wasn't sure. So um, I know that was high for me too. And that was funny because, you know, I, I mean, I was like 21 years old when I took that. I mean, and I didn't choose my specialty until I was, you know, 27. So. It's so interesting, isn't it? I think they, I was reading that they've done some studies with these and that these are very um, constant throughout time, that they can even identify traits in kids that really stay constant throughout their life, that these truly are mm-hmm. like natural forms of thinking that are fairly unchanging. So it's interesting that you still, you know, connect strongly with a test that you took 10 years ago. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. So do you think, um, looking back on your training, because I really feel like understanding strengths better would help people who are in training, especially people who are kind of struggling about what they should do or, you know, like they're not fitting in. Do you feel like your strengths, um, played into how you were as a medical student or as a resident, whether helping you or hindering you in any way? I, it's tough as a medical student, I think, because you, the first two years, you just study so much. I think for me, it it helped, it helped me to study during medical school, because I have to talk things out. And I think that's the communication aspect. Mm-hmm. I think that that's how I, how I learn. Um, and so for me, I kind of, once I joined like a study group where we kind of talked through a lot of things. Um, that's like when I started to do really well on my exams. And so I think for me, that was maybe something in medical school. Um, I think in residency, though, I think that's where it's really a huge game, like a game changer. Um, Because I think it it can help with, you know, professor or like the uh, PDs and associate PDs and the core professors and faculty, how, like how they give feedback to residents. I mean, if you have somebody who has like, you know, a hot, like high on communication, like they need to hear from you. You know what I mean? Because that's, that's how, that's one of their strengths. So how do you build them up? You communicate with them. I think that's, you know, that's really helpful. Or like if somebody, you know, if you have people that are really competitive, you know, how, how can you change the way that you educate them so that they kind of can channel that inner competition um, in, in, a, in a productive way, I think, is something that you can do. Um, I think those are, for me, I see it working so well in residency. Medical school, I maybe I just don't remember a lot of it. Um, I think in the clinical rotations in third and fourth year, though, 
that could be really helpful too. And I think it can be helpful in, like you said, looking at how people choose specialties. Like if you have a student that's really struggling, like, well, let's look at your strengths. Like let's talk about what specialties kind of are going to, you know, maybe help you bring some of these out a little bit. You know, like if someone is really high, you know, like you said, low in adaptability, like maybe emergency medicine might not be for them. And not that it's a hard line either way but just to help give people a little bit of guidance. Absolutely, absolutely. And I love what you said about the communicator, that for you as a med student, talking out loud and being part of a study group was so helpful because I think that if you, know, if you had a student who was doing poorly and you knew their strengths, you could say, hey, instead of studying alone in the library, that's obviously not working for you. Let's get you talking. That's going to engage your strengths. And so giving guidance to trainees who are struggling in some aspects based on their strengths would actually let them grow so much more in a way that's more authentic for them. Yep, no, I totally agree. Um, were there any strengths that you have read about or were surprised that you didn't have listed higher or that you thought would be higher for you but weren't actually? It's hard for me to truly remember. I I can tell you that um, there... It was more so that I just remember laughing about how accurate it was. I mean, my like my my competition was very very low, um, and I think a lot of people like I played soccer in college. Um, I was a coach after college, but and I I just think like gosh, that was such a big part of my life. And not that competition always comes from sports. Um, but I remember coaches in high school and college saying like, oh, like you just, you need to get more competitive. Like you need to get more angry. And I was like, I just, and not that those are synonymous, but I just was like, that is so funny. I feel like so much of my life, I just, the, you know, like when people would compare exam scores after med school, you know, those people that kind of compare right away or they, they talk right away how someone else felt versus how they felt. I've just never been like that. Hmm. Um, and so I, I thought for me, like, yes, this makes sense that it's really, really low. I was gonna say, I think focus, um, was, um, middle to high for me. And I think I remember that was, that made sense. And then a ranger or an includer is includer. One of them. Includer's one of them. Yes. Includer was also high for me. And I remember thinking like, yeah, like that, like that, that makes sense too. Um, so yeah, I think for me there, I just more was like, Oh gosh, this thing really nailed me, nailed me down <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> and the sports example you bring up is so interesting that you felt like you should be more competitive because you were so good at sports, but you have, it just goes to show that you can use whatever you have to do whatever you want to do. So like positivity and achiever were probably really big for you then in sports that you were like right. positive and excited and you were achieving and you know, that there are other ways that you were becoming excellent at sports that had nothing to do with competition. Whereas the person next to you maybe was super driven by competition, but I'm the same. My competition right. is really low. So when I was, I'm a general surgeon and in residency that we would sometimes do competitions for like who can suture the fastest laparoscopically or like these little skills contests. And I just yeah. thought it was silly. I was like, well, I don't hate, care. Yeah, hate hate stuff like that. Oh, I hate stuff like that, like, so much. Yeah, it's so funny. But I really feel like maybe in surgery or maybe in some specialties, it does draw some competitive people. And so for a lot of people, that is highly motivating. But I agree. I was into judging myself against others and seeing where I landed. That just doesn't really interest me. Right. And I think sometimes, too, when I say that, I mean, I, I say it like that and I think like, oh, but I, I remember, I mean, like I just took my board exam. So I had two of my residency classmates are in St. Louis practicing in the ER at MOBAP. And so we all got done. And of course, like right away, they're like talking, talking about what they thought. 
And I just thought, oh, I got to get out of here. You know, <laughs> like, I don't want to talk about it, how our questions stacked up. But anyways, it's just, it's funny. It's funny to think about how much it applies. And I think what's so sad is medicine doesn't know about this. And I'm like, this is a humongous resource that people are not utilizing. And I had mentioned it to my APD last year. And I, I think people kind of brush it off like, oh, it's just another personality test. I'm like, no, no, this is much different. Right, right. No, I'm so with you. I think that medicine should be latching on to this like nobody's business just for how much mm-hmm. it would improve physician burnout, how much it would improve the quality of life yes. of trainees, and just better understanding what kind of physician you are and how that can be leveraged into making your life so much better. I totally agree. Right, and I think that we struggle so much with rates of depression, people feeling unsatisfied in their jobs, and especially in residency, you know, su- like the rates of suicide within residency, I think are kind of they're kind of at an unparalleled high. They've just been going up and up, which is so unfortunate. But I think if you were to put a room, you know, a group of residents, if you were to take everyone I did residency with all of our classes and put us in a room during conference and say, name me your top five strengths, I think a lot of people would really struggle to write anything down on a piece of paper. They might not, they might tell you they're not good at anything, you know, because I think that residency just at times can make you just feel so inadequate. Like you just don't, you don't really even know what you're doing right because you're drowning so much of the time. And I think that to give people this, it's almost like a, like you're filling their bucket. You're giving them, like, these are what you're good at. This is what you are good at. This is inherent in you, and nobody can take this away from you. And so let's figure out how to use this to make residency better for you, to make patient care better for you, to make the feedback that a program director gives you throughout your training more meaningful to you. I mean, I just, I don't know. I just think that it could really be a really, a big, a very big gift, you know, in terms of to make people feel good. And I I don't think we do, I think residents might be able to tell you a bunch of things they're not good at, but I think that maybe telling you things they're good at what they would really struggle with. Absolutely. Oh, I agree so much. And I think part of that is also recognizing that you can let go of the things that you're not good at. Like the fact that I'm not motivated mm-hmm. by competition, I don't need to feel bad about that. Another one that I didn't have really high that you actually have in your top five is responsibility. And I remember there would be, there would be, I would have co-residents that when something went wrong or when they missed something and they were, you know, talking about a complication they had, they were just, they felt so much personal responsibility for it. And they were so guilt stricken and they were so, you know, invested and personally responsible for it. And I never felt that way after a competition. And part of me felt like, am I like a narcissist? Am I like, you know, psychopath? <laughs> I don't yeah. have a great sense of loss when something goes wrong. And I feel bad about it and I want right. to learn from it and I want to improve. And I have all these other strengths that play into how I react to that, but I don't have responsibility. And I spent a lot of time in residency wondering if I was going to be a really crummy surgeon because I didn't just wallow in the mud when something went wrong. I kind of picked right. on and didn't feel that bad about it. Not that I don't care about my patients, but right. like, I just didn't have this, the world is all falling down because this went wrong kind of sensation. And it wasn't right. until I took this test that I realized like, that's just not one of strengths. That's, that's not my why. Strength. That's not yeah. how my brain naturally functions. And that's okay. It doesn't mean that I'm a bad surgeon. Yeah. It just means that I deal with complications in my way and I don't have to deal with it someone else's way. Right. And just like you saying that, I'm the opposite. I mean, I had a really bad outcome my third year with a patient. And I mean, I had to like really talk it out and it still affects me today. And even though everybody said, Karen, like that's not even really, that's not your fault. Who knows if that decision was 
what caused it or not. There was a whole chain of events, you know, but, and, but I think like for me, I had to recognize, you know, I know I hold on to these things. And so I have to find a way to channel that so that it doesn't affect me. Because if I, if I don't keep myself in check, just my personality inherently is going to really take toll of that. Or like, you know, when residents would, you know, I was one of, I was one of our chiefs last year and when a resident would do or not do something that they were supposed to do, it's hard for me to even understand that. And that's because my responsibility is so high. I mean, they would, you know, of course, like, call me, like, Mama Karen. That's, like, what I was called as a chief, you know. And I think they always meant it endearingly, I hope. But um, but I, it, it would sometimes be difficult for me to understand how someone could just, you know, forget to do something or, you know, not do what they were say they were going to do. Um, and now I kind of recognize, well, that's not what everybody's strengths are, just like I don't have other strengths that they may have. Right. Um. <laughs> and I think, um, you know, doing what you say you're going to do is, is sort of an integrity thing. I do think we should be able to expect that from all physicians, but I think a lot of that emotional reaction to it is where the responsibility comes in of how deeply it affects yep. you when you when something does fall through or when a mistake does happen, you know, how you respond to it. Right. I think is that responsibility part of it. Um, right, that you feel yep. so personal, responsible for the patient outcome, even though, like you were saying, there was a whole chain of events. You know, a bad outcome never happens because of a single thing. It's always a system. There's always multiple things that go into it. And I think some people with high responsibility just really zero in on their role in it, whereas people who don't have that as high may see the whole system and may see, you know, yeah, I did play a role in this, but let's look at all the factors, and they just take more of a global perspective instead of zeroing in on the personal responsibility of it. It's so interesting. People are so different. And that's what makes this so fun, I think, is that every person I talk to is just so unique. And these all play out so differently in every physician's personal and professional. Yep. How do you see your strengths kind of playing out in your professional life now? You're an ER physician attending. Are you in a teaching yep. or purely um, patient clinical care? Yep, just patient clinical care right now. Um, I maybe someday teaching. I think you know, for me, I kind of wanted to get out and see if I could figure out how to do this before I before yeah. I taught anybody how to do it. Um, just I still feel like I'm learning so much. I guess that never changes in medicine. Um, but yeah, I think for me, woo. Obviously, I think I you know I kind of walk into the ER and it's a room full of people that I haven't met and I have to get their trust and, like you said, establish that rapport very quickly. Um, and that's kind of vital to my, um, like, livelihood in that work setting. And then I think um, communicator, you know, I think that would maybe be high in so many of us as physicians, depending, but um, just being able to explain things. But I'm always in a little bit of a time, you know, time is kind of my, my X factor, also probably served you really well as a resident because if, if your ER residency was like the ones at the hospitals I trained at, you're always presenting the patients to the attendings and it's always a very verbal learning that you're presenting the patients and mm -hmm. their thoughts and plans and they're teaching back to you and I can see how communicator would really help you in those situations. Yeah, gosh, that's true. That's something I didn't even think about and that you're right. That's exactly right. And I think that that could help, you know, be why a lot of People are very verbose versus residents that may just kind of struggle with what to tell you. Um, and maybe that would be why they struggle with that or why they're great at it. Um, and then I'm thinking, trying to, I think Achiever for me 
I'm trying to think of a residency or a training. I don't know. I mean, it's it's weird. I think when I learned about that, I was like, does that mean I like seek awards? Um, but I think you just kind of want to achieve like a your like your level. Like it's very hard. Like very. I always wanted to be pushed. You know, I always was saying like like what can I do better? What can be better? Um, and I think that bringing that you know to the ER like what how can we do this better how can we be more efficient how can we make patient care better how can we make nursing you know relationships better um what makes the flow of the department better um that's something that I always was kind of asking my asking myself the other thing I have achiever very high as well and one of the things that when I was reading about it that kind of resonated with me and I'm curious if it resonates with you is this idea that you just um you like start the day with zero points and you want to accumulate as many points as you can through the day. So like, I want to know that I got the laundry going and I got the dishes going and yes. I got these three surgeries <laughs> and I got these three things all at the grocery store. And just so that I have this constant list of all the things I could accomplish. And I feel good every time I get one of them accomplished and get it off the list. And that's, I think the achievement yes. thing that you just like want to accomplish. You want to finish things. You want to get them done off the list. Whereas my husband's the opposite. Yes. He, like will start a million projects and not finish any and doesn't really mind. Oh my gosh. Like, that that, that sounds nice. like my house. Right. <laughs> yes. That's a, I always tell my husband, like he's in the garage right now. And I'm like, don't. He's like, I want to organize the garage today. I said, don't come into the house literally until you're done. Right. Because he'll do like 10 things at once and nothing will get finished. Whereas I will like start it, finish it, start it. Because I just, I want it to be done. I want to know that I got all my tasks. And I wonder what that looks like for mothers in general, physician moms, um, who are often balancing so much professionally and at home with the support of spouses and partners, of course, and family members. It does. It takes a village. That's for sure. Um, But yeah, I definitely think that would be something. And just like in when you apply it to your specialty, too, Mm -hmm. and how you go about your tasks the day yeah I think that's super fascinating when I was thinking back on mine achiever is one of the ones that I think really played into me picking surgery because I love that I come home at the end of the day and I can take you tell you how many gallbladders I took out and how many hernias I fixed like there are super things that I did whereas in other specialties you might be like well I saw some infectious disease patients and I managed them but you can't say like I cured right I took this out so I like right I'm like check mark right gallbladder gone hernia fixed you know right like I don't yeah like I don't know how I would apply that I mean I think and too it would be interesting to hear how everybody would maybe apply their strengths in a different way to their specialty like for me like achievement is like okay well I cleared the department or I came in and you know I cleared the waiting room by the time my partner got there like that's my achievement like just Mm -hmm. you know get people in get them seen like keep everything moving you know and not that I want my my time to ever outweigh patient care but that's we're just a big revolving door and so when we have people in the waiting room that's a really big deal in emergency medicine because we're liable for those patients Mm -hmm. and whatever happens to them while they sit there um and so I think for me like I feel like this really big sense of achievement like or you know when I have a crashing patient who I've like resuscitated and I get I get pulses back or I get them to the ICU or if I have a really you know like tough I'm balancing a lot of really high acuity patients at once like I find it's a big achievement like okay like get this person transferred to the tertiary center get this person stabilized like update this family and like you said and I think all the stuff about personal lives and spouses and partners is so interesting because for me, when I made my husband take the strengths test too, and it was so eye-opening to be like, 
oh, you don't have achiever high. Like, I get it now. <laughs> you know, you have other strengths. Yeah, like it's not your fault. Right. It's not your fault. And yes, you still need to do dishes sometimes, even though you don't want to. Yes. I get why that's not a drive. You don't have an internal drive to make sure the dishes are done before you go to bed the way that I do. And it yes. let me like, yes. let go of a lot of the fights and just be like, we are different people and we mm -hmm. have different strengths and we do things differently and that's okay. And yes. mine aren't better than yours and yours aren't better than mine. They're just different. And that is what right. they are. So I, right. And don't you think, I mean, I'm going to start buying this as like a wedding gift for people because <laughs> I'm like, you should know this. You right. should know this about your spouse. Um, yeah. It's such, and I'm like so geeky about it, but it's just true. And I think that we just, when you approach these personality tests, like I said, I think people just don't understand how to utilize them. And this one is totally different because it takes what people are just naturally inherently good at. And it teaches you how to use them in your everyday world and in your working world and in your, you know, your relationships with your family members. And it's like, like you said, you look back and you're like, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense to me now. Like, this is why this is my best friend is like this, or my spouse is like this. <laughs> yep. I actually bought um, the assessment codes for all of my immediate family and I'm giving them to them as Christmas presents, mostly because I, oh my gosh, I like already think I know, but I'm like, I have to know what they are because I want to understand you and I want to figure you out and figure out why you were that way when we were. What a great school. idea. Maybe I'll steal, maybe I will steal the idea from you. That's a great idea. I don't know if they'll think it's as great as I think it is, but I think it's a great present. <laughs> Hopefully they will. I mean, well, hey, if you, everything. yeah, yeah, I think they'll like it. All right. Well, this has been a fantastic interview and I really appreciate your time, especially with the new baby that you're taking. Uh, is there anything oh, that you wanted oh. to mention or talk about or anything else that kind of popped up as we were discussing all this? I, I just think for me, this would, this is so good for everybody, but I really think like med students and residents, I think we're really missing the boat, not having this on board for so many of them. And I think that you can really, I just, I saw like, I mean, we know what residency does to people. And I think it's very grinding and some people kind of go through unscathed and they're fine. And some people come out pretty salty at the end. Um, and I, and I think that we can just do such a better job at maximizing how we, how we do things. And I came from a, a really healthy residency where people were very happy. Like we loved our, all of our faculty. It was such a wonderful work environment. Truly, I feel really blessed to have been at Arizona. Um, I think though that having this on board just gives it just gives those core faculty and people that serve as mentors so much insight about how to help their trainees when they're really being molded into physicians. And I just, I think that it would really empower them from a teaching standpoint. And so that's why I told my assistant program director and program director about this because I just thought, gosh, like this would just be such a tool for you guys to have. And so interesting for the residents to know this about themselves as well. So I don't know, maybe we can start a movement, but at least get the word out. I think it's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's, I really am trying to do that. So I'm trying to do, you know, these podcasts with just a wide variety of physicians to try to get people talking about it. And hopefully I can, you know, get this out there and people will listen to it. Um, there's a neurologist at Johns Hopkins who I've talked to who's super interested in this. And she actually became a certified coach you know you can go through like this program where you oh yeah coach and you basically can do like mentorship and counseling about this more in depth and she's presenting this at like national meetings and neurology and stuff being like why aren't we doing this this is so you know evidence-based right. 
and this is so good for our trainees and for us as departments. So she's kind of pushing it on the academic side, and I'm going to try to use this to just increase awareness about it. But um, yeah, I'm so with you. I I think that this would make residency so much better for everyone. And I'm the same way. I came from a very friendly program. Like in terms of general surgery programs, I it was so not malignant. It was so wonderful. And I was still miserable sometimes. I think all residents are miserable sometimes. Yes. And I think that if I had known my strengths and understood how my strengths varied from the people around me, I would have been even that much happier. Even though I was generally happy, I would have been just that much happier because that understanding yes. and that insight can make you so much more effective yes. and so much just better. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, I yeah, no, I appreciate you for including me, and I share your enthusiasm. I think it's a really useful tool in general. All right, thank you. Well, thanks for everyone who listened in on this interview. I think it was a really great example of how different strengths can be used really in any specialty or in any area of your life to make you excel. If anyone else out there is interested in being interviewed on this podcast, I am always looking for more candidates for interviews. Please get in touch with me. I would love to talk to you and hear about your strengths. A few ways you can get in touch with me, either joining the Facebook page, Physician Strengths, or um, emailing me directly, physicianstrengths at gmail.com. And please bookmark this podcast, add it to whatever player you like to use. There'll be new episodes coming out soon. And I want you all to be able to get them as soon as they come out. All right. Thanks. Have a good night.